A very good evening, brothers and sisters. I think, contrary uh, to what Stuart has said, the honor is all mine. It's a privilege to be here amongst you, brothers and sisters. And we don't take that lightly. We don't take that lightly. And I must say I've been blessed for the past few months. I've been following the Hidden Figures series and it's been such a blessing and sometimes such a conviction that even I as a pastor, I'm seeing people that I've never seen before in the Bible. If you told me that those people were in the Bible, I would disagree with you. Some have just passed through them, like the midwives, for example. I love that series with the midwives and Moses and I just passed through there. It's just midwives, the stories about Moses. Uh, but as I was listening to the Hidden Figures series, it was encouraging. So I thought it bet, best as well for myself to look at a figure that I've cherished uh, since varsity. Since varsity, uh, a figure by the name of Epaphroditus. But before you get there, just, just, just a question, and, and please feel free to, to answer it and raise your hands if you can. Are there any city, Manchester City supporters? <laughs> there's, there's some. No, you can raise your hand. I have just one a few questions if you have Manchester City supporters. No, easy questions. I'm going to ask you about Manchester City. Any Manchester City supporters? You've raised your hand, brother. Raise your hand, it's fine. You are safe now. Manchester City, for those who don't know, it's a soccer team that just won a treble, a cup, league, and UEFA Champions League yesterday, I think. And we were watching it with Taban. So just raise your hand. Just a question. I have a question for Manchester City supporters. Just raise your hand. It's not difficult. It's ABCs. Of, just raise it. Who's the highest scorer for Manchester City? Erling Haaland. Who's the coach? You guys are cruising. You guys are, who, who was sent off last year wearing number 17? You guys are cruising. Now, even an easier question. Who's a water boy for Manchester City? Who's a physiotherapist for Manchester City? Who takes the, the kid or the, the, the kid from Manchester City when they are done playing? I'll just answer. I may even give you a checklist if you want to. <laughs> this is your team. I'm not asking about Manchester United, your rivals. Just your team. Just your team. Who takes care of those things? Most probably you have no idea. Most probably you've never even cared for that. Even though you cared who washes those dirty clothes or packs them up. Who's a water boy for Manchester City when they are on the ground practicing? Who brings them water? You've never cared for that. But you're quick to say Erling Haaland, the number one goal scorer, Pep Guardiola, very good coach. Why is that? It is because we usually attribute honor to those who are in the forefront. There's no honor for those who are in the background. Usually attribute honor for those who, who are doing much, who are doing much, usually publicly. But no one cares for the water boy. Yes, he serves Kevin De Bruyne to drink and then go and perform, but who cares about the water boy? Who gives honor to the water boy? 
you ask me why I chose Epaphroditus in Philippians 2, verse 25 to 30, it is because he is a water boy that Paul almost like puts a spotlight and says, look at this man. Look at this man. He's not a water boy that tries to be in the front or tries to do what Stones does or Grealish does. He's a water boy who just serves water. But he serves it as a servant. He serves it selflessly. He serves it sacrificially. But the verse that for me in Philippians chapter 2, if you can look with me, that grabbed me even at my time in varsity with this figure of Epaphroditus is verse 29. The 29th verse. When Paul speaks about this man that some of you are hearing his name for the first time, probably, you'll probably struggle to pronounce it after, Epaphroditus. In the 29th verse, Paul says of this gentleman, so receive him in the Lord with all joy, which is fine. He's a joy bringer to the church. But it's the second part that for me has gripped me all this time. He says in the second part, honor. Not this man. That's where the shock is. He says, honor such men. Honor a caliber of this man. If we're talking about the water boy example, honor water boys. Get to know water boys. Get to bring an encouragement to them, to the water boys. Get to bring a spotlight to these ones who are selflessly, with a servant heart, sacrificially serving the Lord. And this is what you see with this brother Epaphroditus. Who is this man? He's a man from the Philippi church that was sent by the church to aid Paul while he was in prison. In chapter 4, verse 18, we see Paul, he says he received a gift from him, a fragrance offering from him, from the Philippian church, to assist Paul in his suffering. But it was not just a delivery man. He went and served post him delivering the gift to Paul. He was a jewel, a precious gem for the Philippian church. When they sent to Paul, they sent their best. We don't read much of him being a mighty preacher. We don't even have a letter, an epistle from Epaphroditus to a church somewhere there. But the church sent its best. Its best in our eyes was the least. It's not a guy we would have taken to be prominent. But this guy, as I would like to explore this evening, three things that I think should be honorable in the church of God, if not in the world, in the church of God. In the body of Christ, there are three qualities that this man, Epaphroditus, exhibits for us that should be honored in the body of Christ. The body of Christ should not work with the world's principles and standards. It should not approach or look or assess things as the world does. 
The Board of Christ is not as the world that assesses De Bruyne to be way more significant than the water boy. There are three qualities that I believe Paul wants to draw from this man that we can draw even for ourselves that can be so practically, practically helpful to us because it says we must honor such men. What are the three qualities that you can always see with such people as Epaphroditus? Well, the first one is that the man was a servant. The man was a servant. You can see it as it starts in verse 25. It says, Paul, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my needs. Well, if you're to peruse through this chapter, even at the beginning, he has already stated a few things about servanthood. He has even pointed us to a few examples of servanthood. Of course, the greater and the greatest being Christ himself from verse 5 to verse 11. When he speaks about Christ, so though he was in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself what? A servant. Willingly, not by oppression. Christ wasn't oppressed to be a servant. He willingly made himself a servant, the son of God. That's why he says in verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who made himself a servant. He took upon the form of man, was made in the likeness of man. He took upon flesh. I've always loved that fact that for Christ to become like us was humility for him. You can tell how far we are from being God. And he was not even like us as we are. We are even lower because we are sinful creatures. For him just to be a human, a holy, perfect human, it was still humility because of the glory of God. So he has pointed some of these qualities in Christ. He has also shown us, even in Timothy, as Brother Stuart has read, that the interest of Timothy are towards the church of God, towards saving the church of God. He would say with Timothy, I have no one like-minded like this man, Timothy. Which we know Timothy, and that's fine, but he gets to this figure now, and he calls him quite a few important names. Look at verse 25. He calls him first, my brother, an endearment to this man, more than just a servant. If you're talking about the water boy, he will say, that's my brother. Yes, Pep is my brother and Harlan's my but that water boy who does the lowliest of duties is my brother. He's my kindred, my own. He also said he's a fellow worker and a fellow soldier. He's a partner in the work. His work might not be as famous or public as Paul is, but he's a fellow worker, a worker who serves alongside me. He's a fellow soldier to my wars, to the wars that we face. He is a fellow soldier, this man. And says to the Philippian church, he's your messenger. And that would have hit home to the Philippian church because they knew this man. 
They loved this man. When Paul says it's necessary to send him back, part of that is to bring joy to the Philippian church. He's to serve the church. He doesn't want him to, to keep him as his own. He was an instrument in the church, a jewel to the Philippian church. But in, well, in the world's eyes, he was a no one. He was just a water boy. But the church cherished this man. They loved this man. He was a servant to the church. And that's what you see with servants. They are not those people who want attention to themselves, the servants. They are just focused on, I will just get this five-liter bucket of water, I'll give it to these guys. None of these guys will be dehydrated while on my watch. I will not get on the big screen of television, but I will make sure I serve them water. That's all he does. He makes sure that they get the water. That's a water boy. No one gives him honor. He never gets a medal, but he's a servant. In the world's eyes, he has no respect. And that's for us as well. Why are you in the body? For honor for yourself or to serve others? This is for yourself. You are unlike our Lord. Our Lord himself became a servant. He became a servant. If he, exalted as he is, could stoop down to serve, as we see in John, that he could even wash the feet of the disciples and says, this is an example for you. Who are you not to serve? Who are you not to serve? But secondly, what you see from this man and this very important quality, he was a selfless man. He was a selfless man. You can see that in verse 26. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Read that carefully. He's not stressed because they didn't hear that he was ill. That's what we normally find in the church. People leave churches because no one came to me when I was ill. That's not what the verse says. That's not why this particular brother was stressed. He was stressed because the church heard that he was ill. He, the church heard that he was ill. And this was not a flu or a headache. It was a death-threatening illness. You see that in the next verse. Indeed he was ill, near to death. This brother is near his death and he is stressed about something. What he is stressed about is that the church has begun to worry about him. He has, become, he has begun to be an attention for the church. He has begun to occupy the attention of the saints and he sees himself as not worthy for that attention. The church does right by caring and having him in their attention and praying for him and raising him up in prayer. And he does even right as well by caring for the church, for stressing over him. This is the beauty of the Christian church. It's a competition of caring for one another. No, 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 brother. I care more for you. No, you have... No, 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 sister. No, no, you take this. There is competition in the church of God. It's competition of what? How can I serve you better? And the other one is saying, how can I serve you better? That's the Christian church. As elders, this is a wonderful problem you can address in the church when people are coming to you and say, Tommy, 
We have a problem. We're arguing with this brother. I've been arguing the whole week. I want to save him. And the other one saying, no, Tommy, please, 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 hear me out. I want to save him. And the other one saying, I want to give this jacket to him because it's winter. And the other one saying, no, no, I want to give a sweater to him because it's winter. I've been seeing him. He does not have much. I want to give it to him. And you have to address that as the elder. What a wonderful issue to address. But if you have been in the church, unfortunately, of Christ long enough, you know that's not what we address. We address the opposite. We don't address the issue of selfless people wanting to serve each other. We address the issue of selfish people wanting to be served by each other. And this is the same problem that Paul in verse 3 and verse 4 of this chapter was trying to address. You could even say he's using all of these brothers to address this thing in verse 3 and 4. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. And therefore, let me give you a few examples of this. The Christian church should be made up of selfless individuals competing to serve one another. Who cares about my interest? I want to serve your interest, brother. And as I do that, the other one is also caring about the other's interest. This is the Christian church. And lastly, what we see from this brother Epaphroditus is that you are sacrificial. And I hope I will not get stoned for even bringing up this word in the church. It's a foreign word today. If you ever speak of sacrifice, you are accused of speaking about legalism and oppression in the church. If you ever talk that saints should be sacrificial, there should be a sacrificial love in the body of Christ, When last have you thought and examined your life and asked this one question, have I been sacrificial this day? Have I been sacrificial this year? Not that have I given over and above what I have to assist a brother. Sacrifice goes further than that. Sacrifice means I have this jacket, but I am going to give it up willingly, lovingly. Not by force or oppression or manipulation or coercion. Willingly, lovingly, I am going to say this, Brother Tando, please have this because this is winter. This brother was sacrificial. Look at, look at verse 30. It says, for he nearly died. And these are harsh words. These are sad words. He actually nearly died. He came close to death. For the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. He risked his life to complete what was lacking in the Philippians church service to Paul. We've come to a day where this verse, our commentary on this verse would be saying that was unwise. 
Who said that was unwise for you to risk your life for the work of Christ in order to complete what was lacking from the Philippian church to Paul? That was unwise. You didn't think about this clearly. I hope for us as church that we can come to a day where we can soberly, willingly, thoughtfully, wisdomly give in sacrifice to others. Where to be wise and thoughtful is not a contrary or mutually exclusive to being sacrificial. Where we don't want people who, out of an embrace of the gospel and a love for the body, want to serve each other sacrificially, we don't want them of being unwise and foolish and unthoughtful. Where families can sit down soberly and decide to be sacrificial towards others. Not oppressed, not coerced, not manipulated, just of a love of Jesus, of a love for the gospel, of a love for brothers and sisters, they willingly, soberly, out of wisdom, sacrifices nonetheless. This is what we see from this brother. Now I can understand when Paul says, honor such men. Men who have a servant heart are not looking for prominence and all of that. They just want to serve. Honor water boys. They just bring the water. They do not kick a ball, but they just bring the water. Honor them because they serve. Honor them because they are selfless. What a healthy church it is when you have selfless people in the church. Who are not consumers or exploiters in the body. Who are not parasites in the body, but who are servants who are selfless, and lastly, who are sacrificial, where sacrifice is no longer looked upon with disdain and shame, but is looked upon as the great virtue. Why? Because Christ himself sacrificed his life for us. When we stop loving Christ for sacrificing his life, but not willing to sacrifice ours for others, there is no greater love that a man lays down his life for his friends. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this brother. Oh, thank you for this brother, Lord. May you help your church through the grace that you give us to be examples like this in the flock, to love the blood and serve the blood sacrificially to your glory, O oh Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.